0: Your your little horse's hoof mark in the corner. (laughs) Make sure you're glittery symbol. (laughs) You're using the correct horse in your chariot.
1: You can't
2: use a different one. It has to be that one. That one horse. And you can
1: only like you can only have a two horse pulled or a four or a six. You know. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Inconclusive, the podcast where we randomly select topics and argue about them. Coming up, Inconclusive. My name is James.
0: My name is Abigail. And my name is Candice. All three of us are educators at an international school in Taiwan and bring wildly different perspectives to the table.
2: It is important to note that our individual opinions do not necessarily
0: reflect those of our employer.
1: Okay, let's begin.
0: And welcome back, listeners. Uh, we're on episode two of our series on Economics. I am here with James and Abigail.
1: (sighs) Cha-ching!
0: We are going to talk today about private sector versus public sector in trade. Who would get trade priority between the two? So we'll start off with defining some terms. The private sector is the area of the economy that's run by individuals and companies, and it's for profit. So think Apple, Google, um, any company brand that you enjoy.
1: Or your your local... Small business owner? Yes. Entrepreneurs? Your local Etsy, Red your Redbubble
0: Your Redbubble account, which, yeah. by the way, we created a Redbubble account. So if you go to redbubble.com, you can buy stickers from the Inconclusive podcast.
2: It is linked in our bio.
0: Hey-oh. All right, next de- definition that we've got is for the public sector. So the public sector, I actually thought that this would talk about private business, because it's I think of public still as not government, but public is actually government-controlled companies and corporations. So it would be like military contractors, uh, contractors that work with construction for the government. Um, I, th- I don't know what other sectors that would be a part of. So that's not
2: necessarily government businesses that they're like doing the job as much as it's some sort of a more private entity that is being contracted by the government?
0: I think that's one branch of it is contractors specifically. So so
2: then education, as we're technically like in the States, you'd be hired by the government. Would that be a public sector? Public sector. Okay, got it. Yes,
0: that would be. And then everybody that's left, that's the volunteer sector. Okay. So I went ahead and defined that so we would know that's not a part of the private sector. Think nonprofits, mm-hmm. charities. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and those don't really do trade no. per se. No,
0: no, no. But they still have to, they're still a part of the economy. And right, so right. They, they get
2: money from yeah. things. Either you have to pay into them. So my husband worked at a nonprofit and in mm-hmm. and mental health. And so Shout out, still, husband. <laughs> um, so you still had to pay whatever the cost was. It was just that the money. Was enough to keep it running, not yeah. to be able to be traded or
0: run by other people. Right, right, right. Um, on that note, I'd love to know what what other what charities and nonprofits in the volunteer sector se- sector of the economy that you all support, or you wish other people would support, or that you think are awesome, or that you like. My personal favorite would probably be the. Um, Give Kids the World Village. It's through the Make-A-Wish Foundation and it's run by Disney. And it's this village in Florida, that in, in uh, Orlando, where anyone who is getting a wish granted of going to Disney World or going to Orlando, they stay at the Give Kids the World Village. And it feels like its own little mini resort. And people can go volunteer and help in the kitchen or they can help with cleaning or they can deliver things because every family that goes, they stay in their own little... Uh, villa that looks like its own little resort, and so you have little golf carts that deliver breakfast every morning or do whatever while you're there. I really like that nonprofit. What about you all?
1: Um, I support any doctrinally sound church because religious organizations fall under nonprofits, yes, I think. True. So, uh, any church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have my support. Uh, Joel. Not you, not you. Sorry, Joel O. You, I'm calling you out right here. Not all, all right. Joes. You private sector, get out of get out of the get out of the church, crazy person. Jesus still loves you, though. There's hope. There's hope for you.
0: On that note, did you know that Scientology is considered a the, it, to be in the volunteer sector because the Church of Scientology got listed as a church only because of the IRS. They campaigned against the IRS in. The late '80s, early '90s, to make them become a non a, a registered church under a nonprofit, so they're tax exempt. Any books that you buy by the head uh, guy that started Scientology, they're all religious texts, so they're exempt from taxes, which is crazy.
1: I guess on a more serious note, I mean, I do support churches, but <laughs> if we're going for one <laughs> one specific one, um, when I was in college, we had one. That was kind of loosely connected to our school called the Chalmers Center, and they basically helped to support um, community development initiatives around the area that we were in and in the South. So that's cool. Yeah, that's probably my pick.
2: There's actually two that I want to throw out there. The first one is Crossing Borders. Um, it is a nonprofit organization that works with North Korean refugees um, who flee to China or to South Korea or to all over in um, East Asia. Mm-hmm. They provide... Um, a lot of immediate care for these refugees who have, like, it's really, really rough. I mean, I think most of us can imagine how rough it is. But when North Korean refugees get to China, it's actually almost worse than if they were in North Korea to begin with because of how rough the Chinese government treats North Koreans and their agreement with North Korea about sending people back. Mm. Um, but this um, organization helps keep people safe and helps run them to South Korea. And this new thing that they've kind of developed in South Korea is called the Elhim house mm. um and they provide christian counseling and they provide a place to stay for women and children specifically because most refugees from north korea are women and children and um they help clothe them and take care of their physical needs but also i think really importantly they help take care of their mental and emotional needs as well as their spiritual needs um so it's pretty, pretty cool. And then another one that I support is Crew, C-R-U. Um, they're a subscription box that you pay into that provides Bibles to either places of poverty where they can't afford them or they um, take them into closed countries. So they find ways to get Bibles into places where it would be illegal to purchase them or to have them maybe, um, but also into places where it would be too, people are too poor to be able to purchase it.
0: This is no relation to Campus Crusade for Christ, also known as crew, correct? <laughs> I think that's a different spelling of crew. Same same bigger crew, because they do CRU as their spelling, but like uh. a smaller crew of company, but crew under Jesus. <laughs> like yes. Jesus's boat crew. But
2: an entirely different organization. Yeah. That works. It's a pretty cool one. So you can, you can buy like a level of a subscription for I think as low as like 7 bucks a month and as high as you want. And for every set of $7, it's one Bible per month. So um, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's awesome.
0: So I want to throw out my source for today. The source that I'm using is the UN's uh, Department of Global Center for Public Service Excellence. It was a committee that they were setting out to explore the various aspects of public service and what helps a country and what doesn't help a country. And they wrote this paper in 2015 or pamphlet, I guess. It's very well designed, although the the second page has a foreword from their head, who's uh, the director of the the center, and his picture is not very flattering. You know when you take pictures from slightly above the person with shadow on their face, they look kind of sinister? <laughs>
1: that's that's this picture classic un
0: (laughs) i know um so i'm using this this paper that they uh released that was a study of public versus private sector when it came to trade with what helped a uh country the most
1: is that the purpose of trade
0: uh, well, I mean, like it's that's another term that I forgot to define for us is the common good. Is if it's helping put money into pockets of people in a country, it's not necessarily best for the, everyone in the country. I don't think. Do you think that? I don't know.
2: Depends on who's getting <laughs> their pockets lined. Are you? Is it Jeff Bezos? <laughs> oh, Bad. We're gonna bring up Jeff
0: Bad. Bezos.
1: <laughs> I mean, I but, feel well. I feel like either way you define the common good, it still begs the question. What is the purpose of trade?
0: Yeah. I Can we all agree that by our definition of the common good being- By
1: definition of this podcast, we cannot all agree. <laughs> so no.
0: We can agree Just on can't. one small piece. We can be conclusive comp- about our definitions, sure. but let's we go with been. the, the There's common- There's precedent for that. That's true. Yes. there. Let's go with the common good being defined as what is shared and beneficial for all members of a community, and let's assume that trade, which is the exchange of goods- That it would benefit, that we want the greatest good from trade, that it would benefit all members of a community as easily, or I guess as evenly as possible. Like for example, maybe an influencer on the internet, they could say, I will promote your product if you give me one free sample of it to try myself. And if I like it, then I'll promote it. And companies could then give makeup or whatever it is that people promote on YouTube or on their Instagram. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think influence is, influencers are dumb. <laughs> I feel like that's like the dumbest form of exchange. It is just, wild that I have works. a lot of people who follow me. Mm-hmm. But I guess at the same time, if you pay for an advertiser, you're paying a lot more cash than you are. Here's some free makeup or a free a couple free outfits.
0: And it kind of Because our combines- marketing
2: budgets can be like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars yeah. depending on the size of your company. So being able to get two TikTokers and an Instagrammer who have followings in the thousands and millions to be able to do it for free. You Mm -hmm. know, I get, I guess I, eh,
0: it's still dumb, but it combines like the two craziest parts about, um, how stuff gets popular is word of mouth and, uh, the influence of the person over you. So like, that's how fads would happen in school. Like some, the popular person did it and everybody else goes out and buys that brand of backpack because the popular person
1: did it. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome to Currently Reading with Abigail. Today's book is The Crooked Heart of Mercy by Billy Livingston. Ben wakes up in a hospital with a hole in his head he can't explain. The only things he can remember he'd rather forget. Like how he'd spend nights as a limo driver for the wealthy and debauched. How he and his wife Maggie drifted apart in the wake of an unspeakable tragedy. How his little brother Cola got in over his head with loan sharks circling. At the same time, Maggie finds herself alone again. With bills to pay and Ben in a psych ward, she must return to work. Just then, the internet explodes with a video of her brother, Francis's latest escapade. Drunk priest, propositions cop. Francis, an unlikely priest with a drinking problem, three DUIs, and a looming court date. When Maggie takes him in, he knows he may be down to his last chance, and his best shot at healing might be helping Maggie and Ben reconnect, against all odds. This book is a realistic and dark, unforgettable story of ordinary lives rocked by hardship. See you next time.
0: Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about influencers and popular people.
2: So if you're a popular person, please listen to our podcast and share it by word of mouth.
1: We would really appreciate no it. No problem.
0: <laughs> wow. That is, that is a bold statement. Thank you. You're welcome, question mark. I, inconclusive. <laughs> Just, and in, in onward, let's go on to our first question that kind of goes underneath this. One, do you think that the private sector is inherently incompetent. The reason I bring this up is a popular TV show that pokes fun oh, at the sorry. idea. Oh, I'm sorry,
2: the private sector or yes. the public sector? The private sector. Okay.
0: Yeah, so private sector being businesses, individuals, corporations that are for profit, not run by the government. Got and it, got it. So I want to bring up the example, the popular TV show, The Office, that everyone <laughs> loves. But, the,
1: citing The Office as evidence? <laughs> no,
0: no, I, well, as like a, a public... Opinion of it's kind of a spoof on all of the negative oh, parts I about yeah, business. Yeah. Sure, sure. That and throughout the show, you see every possible way that people could be bad at their jobs and somehow still get to keep their jobs. <laughs> yes, like the, the boss is horrendous in every possible way, and yet the, everyone wants to keep him around because he's that bad. That he's, he's like so unaware of how bad he is as a business runner. And
2: if you haven't watched it, you just must. <laughs> like, there's no way. F- for Candace to explain it to I you in, in as good of a way as watching it will mm-hmm. explain it to you.
0: My brother absolutely loves The Office, and I hope that he is listening to this episode. But I think that show kind of shows how, we, how generally people view sometimes one side of the private sector. What do you all think? Do you think that the private sector is inherently incompetent?
1: Uh, I think it's kind of a straw man to pick the most incompetent version (laughs) of a private sector and say that that provides reason that all not private sector is incompetent. I'm saying that It's kind of what you were implying. I'm
0: implying that that's what a lot of people think of businesses. I think
2: what she's implying is that media depicts generally... Like, is media the cause of beliefs or reflecting beliefs? And Mm. if it's reflecting beliefs, then the office would reflect the belief that people who work in private businesses, or not people who work, but like the whole the beer- structure, structure of yeah. private businesses is inherently incompetent. Not necessarily the individual people because there are so many highly intelligent people who work for the company in the office right. who are also bad at their job just mm-hmm. because of the idiocy of the job itself.
1: Right. Um, <clears throat> well, I think neither the individuals in the private sector nor the private sector as a whole are incompetent.
0: Okay. What do you think about, I guess, their, like the goal of the private sector? Do you think the private sector should care about improving the economy around it? Because I would guess that improving the economy around a company would then improve the company's value. Like even when you're thinking about property value, you want to improve the area that you're in or you don't want to throw away trash in your local park because that devalues your property in the same neighborhood. Do you think it's the same with businesses?
2: Yes. Um, At least in like what they say. Mm. I don't know if always in practice, Mm. but I, you know, you hear a lot like Amazon was trying to come to Seattle for a while um, and Seattle being a little bit more, I don't, I don't know, like a little bit more protection of the people who live there and the small businesses that are there had said that they could come with some stipulations. um, And Amazon left um, and decided to go somewhere else um, to put their, their headquarters another headquarters or a branch or somewhere Didn't in a different they put it like atlanta something like that yeah. because but because the city of seattle and all of the surrounding areas like that they would have wanted in washington we're gonna slap some restrictions in protections of smaller businesses um and the big tagline when they left kind of the huff was like we were gonna put so many jobs there and help your economy greatly mm-hmm. but now you've chosen to not have us here and we're so we're going elsewhere. Mm. The economy in Seattle isn't really suffering because the private businesses, the small businesses were saved because Amazon's mm. headquarters didn't kind of come in and and overtake um, some of that other areas. Like I'm sure a lot of places would feel like with Starbucks or when Walmart or some of those other businesses that are notorious for propagating into areas mm. um, would feel the same. Like, oh, we... I don't know. I feel like that's a really long-winded explanation. I think businesses say that they're trying to help the economy. I don't actually think Amazon or Jeff Bezos gives a rat's butt. Whether or not they help the economy around him. as long as the people who are higher up on this, this pyramid, or I guess it's not really like a mid-level marketing pyramid, more maybe... Maybe a boulder. (laughs) The people on the top of the boulder are getting all the money. Mid-level
0: marketing boulder.
2: (laughs) But it's not mid-level marketing. It is an authentic business. People can make actual money and living off of it. It's not the same as mid-level marketing, Um, which is the worst scheme. But I feel like I've just tangented onto 10 different things. I'm so sorry. So
1: (laughs) I think I understand your point about the private sector generating good for the economy from itself, but I actually think that the goods and services that are provided by the public sector themselves are a boost to the economy. Um, because if you think of places like Walmart or even Amazon, um, let's take Amazon as an example, since, you know, it's easy to hate on Jeff. Um, Amazon itself hires people, but they also provide a service which is valuable to an economy, which is the service of hosting an online marketplace, basically, is how it started, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you can say, you know, they've since expanded that. There's Amazon Prime Video, Music, all this other stuff. There's, like, they bought Whole Foods, right? Mm -hmm. So now you can, like, I don't know, somehow link that up. I'm not sure. But the economic good that a company does goes far beyond its direct hires. It goes to its customers. It goes to the other people that use that service and, therefore, Contribute positively. I think, for the most part, private sectors are are a positive to the economy because if they're not, they go out of business. Because private sectors are inherently determined by the consumer, um, at least in a in a generally capitalist society, which I think is is kind of what we're going off of. Um, the The main determiner of whether or not a private sector business does well is whether or not it produces things that people want to consume or buy.
0: Mm. That makes sense. And I guess our definition of the common good, we didn't actually define good. So just thinking about um, the value.
1: That's a whole whole series of
0: (laughs) What is good? What is good? Who is good? No one is good, of course. But Mm. the the good that we're talking about, is it the good of um, money continuing to move? throughout an economy like I like that is the backbone of an economy is money like traveling but is it like the amount of education that gets spread between people or is it the amount of the the lessening of poverty is it the like how do we define how do we know when a government or a private business is doing good things quote unquote for a community or for the economy that it's in
2: I think that's a really hard question Um, I think the first thing that came to my mind, actually, while you were talking was like uh, Silicon Valley in Mm. California with just, you know, kind of the startup of all these young people, computer nerds and and technology nerds who turned it into something amazing. Right. That like is the part of stuff that comes from Silicon Valley is like the backbone of American society in a lot of ways. Right. Like computers and um, different programs and whatever. The list is endless. But simultaneously as these people develop this need right, that happened in the area, and they begin to profit off of it, it drives the market into the gentrification type where people no longer, you can't afford to live there unless you make a certain amount of money, and usually a high certain amount of money, um, because uh, even a small apartment would be way more than a small apartment would cost for rent in a different area, and so people about, I'm assuming based upon evidence in other areas, right, when that kind of boom hits up, people get driven out of homes because they can't afford the rent anymore, and they get driven out of communities and places and they have to leave and usually if you stay in the same area which theoretically where you're you're established your job and your family is um if you stay in the area you're downgrading your life significantly or you're leaving and having to start completely new which also puts you generally at a financially financial disadvantage if you can't get into the same level of a job Mm. if you have to start lower and and so i don't know it's just that was the first thing that came to my mind
1: but I wonder, would that same person buy an iPhone, mm. right? Because that's also a product of the private sector that's being offered. Uh, so I think it's it's a really complex issue and it has ripple effects, like, kind yeah. of like what you're yeah. saying. Because you have kind of emphasized the negatives. Which there are a lot of, but there's also an immense amount of positives yeah. that are generated yeah. by these tech companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, this podcast probably would not exist if Absolutely. it was not for those well, people.
2: Well, the th- three of us all have smartphones. And right. two mm-hmm. of the three of us have smartphones that would have been created in
0: Silicon Valley. We all have Apple products yep. sitting on our, right. our tables right yeah. now. So, so
1: I think like when we're thinking of whether or not a company... Um, I mean, really, even, either private or public, because there are public companies that end up moving people away if they buy yeah. their land yep. or whatever, is, like, it's it's highly complex because you're generating these, these waves of direct and indirect effects of, like, okay, well, now, you know, this area now has more options when it comes to purchasing power, or uh, this company is now generating software that literally, may, like, I don't know, not literally, but, you know, a majority of the country runs on. Yeah. So it's like, you know, how do you quantify that? How do you con- quantify economic influence and then offset that versus how many people right. have to move out? So I, it's hard. It it's is hard.
0: hard. It is hard. And we we also can think about it in terms of which private or public sector is more important to that place in, mm-hmm. in terms of, of its running. So, like, if... We lost the private sector and only had the government sector. Would we survive if we lost our like the majority of our government contractors, the majority of our public sector that that would have trade deals? And we just had like bare bones government structure. Would we still survive? Thinking of it in terms of like the Parks and Rec TV show. I loved. I'm thinking about TV shows today, but the <laughs> fact that like in public service we sometimes think about like. Oh well, this is just this bureaucratic structure, and it's not really helping anybody. It's just sucking taxes dry. It's just uh, people sitting in an office not doing anything. But at the same time, the the public sector off- also offers jobs. It also offers um, structure to an area that it gets money to yeah. come back into it if it starts to die. Well, like there's many different like, benefits to it.
2: Specifically, thinking of the parks and rec. Like a TV show mm-hmm. example, thinking of the actual real-life parks and rec departments in the states who provide invaluable things to communities, places that have strong parks and rec um, sectors have, like, better places for kids to play, mm-hmm. have better playgrounds, because they take care of everything, right? Better playgrounds, better, um, for like, state forests, mm-hmm. better... National parks. National parks, better, like, even just when you think of, like something as silly as like a good dog park. Um, you know, those are all parks and rec departments generally speaking unless it's some nonprofit person who's mm-hmm. volunteering their time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um and so it is like James had mentioned earlier a um needed thing, right a needed item. Mm. And with that, we're going to take a quick break.
3: Mm-hmm
0: and welcome to the segment called words are hard with candace where i share an interesting word or phrase today's word is verklempt Verklemt means being overcome with emotion and comes to english by way of yiddish from the german verklempt meaning pinched or squeezed for example a book lover always felt verklempt when rereading that one part in harry potter about oh wait i can't say that part spoilers verklempt
3: 야지
0: Welcome back, listeners. We, before the break, talked about Parks and Rec and the real Parks and Rec in relation to the the question of public services value to society versus the private sector. So I want to pose a different question to you all. Do you think that, that, and this is based on two different um, theories about public service. So I'm going to pose these and they're going to sound rude to public service or the public sector. Do you think that the public sector slash public service is inherently incompetent or self-serving or neither?
2: I don't think that it is inherently that way. I think the purpose of having government or governmentally traded or publicly traded things is to be good for the public. That doesn't mean that in situations or at times things don't deteriorate from there.
0: James?
1: Uh, I don't think public service is inherently incompetent. I think they have a tendency to be inefficient, and they have a tendency to corruption. But the same could be said with um, private sectors. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that the public is necessarily more or less incompetent than the private. I think Mm. it really depends on the personnel, depends on... The department depends on the country. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah,
0: like mm-hmm. Singapore, for example, I think the public ser- the public sector in Singapore is very very efficient post independence. Like they yeah. they do not take trash, they do not take yeah. you spitting gum on the concrete. And
2: they also do stuff with housing, I think, too, mm-hmm. where they yeah. like build and mm-hmm. and rent, but not even really to own. Like almost everything is public housing; it's not privately traded. And there's a couple other things I think that they do.
1: Which the I government think does. For Singapore, it's very unique because first of all, Singapore is tiny and it's an island, so they really don't have a lot of land that you could just like you right. know, like go west mm-hmm. and settle on, you know what west I'm saying? West with the course of empire. Um, but like, yeah, I feel like in that circumstance it it almost would have been really with such a limited pool of resources and then I guess in this case like land that you can use for construction, it would have been really hard if the government didn't manage that. And didn't do so um, efficiently. efficiently. Mm.
0: The reason I posted this question, which is composed of or comprised of two different truisms, meaning that it's what people think, but they're Mm. not necessarily necessarily true, is um, they're two different opposing uh, viewpoints about public sector. And I'm going to quote the UN's uh, paper that I mentioned earlier. So uh, one of the factors that they say that influence um, their Uh, study of public versus private sector being beneficial for a country is there's an intellectual barrier. There's this catch-22 conundrum between public choice theory, which posits the idea that the public service is inherently self-serving and needs to be constrained, and it's against new public management theory, which propagates the exact opposite view, and it says that public service is inherently apathetic, like it doesn't get anything done and needs to be incentivized to being effective. So, it needs to become more business like in its structure for new public management.
1: I feel like, in a way, depending on your theory of government, a public sector that is self serving, if the public is representative of the public, if the public sector is representative of the public, it's okay for a country's public sector to be self serving because it's serving its citizens. Well, it would it be serving its government it.
0: officials then. If oh, it's I see. Serving, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. got it.
2: I was going to say that I think that government entities sometimes get labeled as apathetic or as inefficient. I do think that they could be more efficient. So I'm not saying that I don't think that they're as efficient as they could be. Um, but because of the amount of bureaucracy that needs to go into the way that things get run specifically in the States, right? Because a, a lot of the examples that we've been talking about, other than specifically Singapore, we've been talking about in the States. So thinking DMV, right? You wait forever in line to be able to do this thing with a million pieces of paperwork. And if you forget one thing, you've got to go back and you've got to get it and you've got to get it done, right? And it feels, oh, they don't care about it.
0: It's an all day affair. Like it's, blo- you know, you all of like, these you things. not look
1: good in the picture. <laughs> it's stuck notorious. With the stuck with it. Forever. We're not Uh, stuck
0: with an ugly face. You're stuck with the ugly picture. Do you feel stuck with an ugly face?
1: Pass.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how to respond. Okay. Um, But it's because of, like, the amount of insuring maybe a high level of security or mm. a level of like making sure that your identity represents you and these things that get done, get done correctly. Um, but also because they split things in ways that maybe don't all aren't always intuitive. So like going from thinking of the DMV to thinking of parks and rec, there's hard lines of things that a parks and rec department can do and things that they can't do. And so if you're asking for them to do something that feels intuitive that it's parks and rec, maybe they can't. And so they're trying to send you to the next place Whereas if it was maybe more centralized for everything, or there was more centralized places, it would feel less apathetic.
1: Also, I also think that you generally the public sector seems really impersonal and distant, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a product of like urbanization. Because back in the day, let's just give like this driver license thing. Like back, let's say you, I don't know, like 18th century, uh, they probably didn't have licenses for chariot riding. <laughs> Um, but if you ran, but if you but if you like get yeah, your chariot if, li-
0: riding at license right, it but as pic- Roman numerals f- above your name for your birthday, it has like your your little horse's hoof mark in the corner. <laughs> it's like to make sure the you're a
2: glittery you're, symbol. You're, that you're using the correct yeah. horse in your well, chariot, then, and then you can't use a different one. It has to be that one, and, that one horse. And, is and you your can license.
1: only like you can only have a two horse pulled or a four or a six, <laughs> you know, or if you're really fancy, like you know, eight.
2: Oh but, man! Like
1: if your horse That's kicks someone in the face. Everyone it's in the town power. knows that it's your horse, right? right? But now right. if you're in a city, you drive a car, like a bunch of people have the same car, right? Ford, whatever. Yeah. And then you like run into someone. They're like, well, I have no idea who that is, yeah. right? So like as we've, as the population of the whole world has increased in such a way, like we can no longer keep track of individuals because there's just so many of us, um, and that's, I think, part of why the public sector seems so apathetic or in, impersonal because they they have to view everyone on a piece of – like, everyone's yeah. a number. Everyone, you're your ID number. You're your name, social security number. You're not like, oh, you're, Joe down the road. Yeah. Like, I know your kids. I know right. your cousins, you know. So, Yeah.
0: On that note, um, kind of t- side tangent, we're going to go back like 600 years. So back in medieval times, in uh, the in England and Great Britain, not great then, just Britain. It, I mean, it was great, maybe. I don't know. Make
1: Britain great again.
0: <laughs> so back then, uh, there is this idea called truthe, which is T R O U T H E, and it's where we get the word for truth. And it was essentially your medieval credit score. It meant your word was your bond that yeah, you could like how um, accountable you were. Yes. No. And so if you were like going to do a trade deal with somebody like, I'll give you 10 pieces of gold for your horse, but I can only pay five now. I'll pay five later. If your truth was good, then they would sell you the horse. But I
2: think that falls into what James was saying too. Like that would be from a more personal it is, standpoint. It is. Yeah. Because, because we lost still that have, opportunity. But we don't. We have it when you have a credit score. It's the That's, same yeah, thing. Because when you buy impersonal. with a credit card, you're, you are essentially saying, hey, I can only pay nothing now. Right? And the bank has it. And then you're going to pay the bank back. The bank is in between. I mean, definitely problems with it. But the score of how often you pay back Mm -hmm. is that's your credit score from all the different areas that you have borrowed from.
0: But the crazy thing about it is the credit score doesn't actually reflect whether or not you're going to, like, be an honest... Trader, it it reflects whether or not you have borrowed debt before and eventually paid it off. So, like someone who has never borrowed anything can't buy a house in the U.S. or rent an apartment unless they have a credit score. And in order to have a credit score, you have to or if you build
1: debt. Cash. Well, I mean, it's part yeah. of, it's based on whether your past behavior can predict your future behavior, which mm-hmm. is the same for whatever you said in Britain. Risa. Yeah, that word. <laughs> um, I make my. I mean, it's the same thing. It. Like if I give you, if I trade you, I don't know, like a carrot for. 5 NT And you're like You're You're gonna pay me back 10 NT later um, First of all You should get carrots From someone else Cause that's Freaking really expensive, expensive. <laughs> but, expensive Um Like I don't know Even if you've paid me back Like the past 10 times mm-hmm. This could be the exception So I mean Yeah
2: But I think it's more of a basis For Like honesty Yeah, like, yeah. But
1: like, like b- Back then it was on a personal Personal thing But yeah, now yeah, it's yeah. like Now it's codified Now it's right. like Yeah algorithms. Now it's numbers. Right. Now it's not like, I know you, I know your personality. Now it's like, oh, credit score, however much, right, 400. Right. It's like, nah.
0: Back to the DMV thing. Actually, you reminded me of, I think we talked about this before. There, There's a TV show on Netflix that did a talk about um, efficiency in business. We were talking about how during COVID, um, the meat industry suffered in the US. And one, there's this I don't know if it's called the theory of efficiency, but there's this efficiency problem in a assembly line where the more efficient a business is, the more brittle it is. So mm-hmm. if you think about it like tossing a uh, a brick to the person next to you. And if it's you're really efficient, the brick just could fly right over everyone's head and they're just barely grazing it as it goes by. And if one person steps out, that brick could hit the wall and break a window or whatever. But if you're gently passing it to the next person a lot more slowly, you're not going to be as fast. It's not as efficient, but it's also not as brittle. Someone is going to catch it. They're not going to let, let it go until the next person has it. And I think that's part of the the reason why government continues to feel like a slow gear in a machine because it is a f- is not efficient but mm-hmm. it is not brittle it is right. steady like it will continue on as proposed also one other thing that the UN noted in their study was that people generally when they become government officials in order to get reelected they keep spinning the same narrative of let's drain the swamp let's uh fix the government let's revitalize it and They don't necessarily do that because they're going to need that narrative for their next running. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep saying, We're going to keep doing these things better, but you actually need it to not be brittle. And you're just going to use that narrative the next time.
1: And let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome to Jokes and Jocular Facts with James. Today's joke is, hey man, you want this pamphlet? Brochure. Today's jocular fact is, riding roller coasters can help you pass kidney stones. After multiple people claimed that they had passed kidney stones while riding Walt Disney World's Big Thunder Mountain railroad ride, a research team from Michigan State University decided to take a look at the situation in 2016. When they conducted tests using a model kidney, they found that there was a 64% successful pass rate for those seated in the rear of the roller coaster, but that number was just 16% for those seated in the front. This has been Jokes and Jocular Facts with James. Catch you next time.
0: And welcome back. We were discussing before the break public choice theory versus new public management. So now I want to propose a different question that kind of goes back to our main question. Which is better for a country's prosperity slash the greater good to get trade priority? Would it be the private sector or the public sector?
1: Private, for sure. Uh, I think it's better to have each person or small groups of people do what's best for themselves, do what's best for their immediate community, produce goods that their immediate community needs, as opposed to some bureaucratic system that determines what is best for that community from thousands of miles away, as is the case in the United States. And I think it works best where we have small business owners making products that they know um, their community needs and that income goes invested gets invested straight into their community. So I I think in general, having more smaller components that are all independent, all free, voluntary, is better than one, like, I don't want to say like cram down your throat kind of thing, but like one bureaucratic system that determines from afar what is best for you.
0: I would argue, though, that they're not determining from afar always because that's literally why we have state county, city representatives in government who then also can still do contracting and still have government jobs for their area.
2: Also, the idea of state governments, not even just, like, small city governments, which exist, but also state governments kind of make a lot... And the state specifically make a lot more decisions about what's to the benefit of the people than the federal government.
1: Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I support that for sure. Small, like, local people making rule. choices
0: for their area.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think I think people who are on the street would do a better job of knowing what their community needs than someone who's away at the state capital even. Like, mm. I mean,
3: yeah.
1: Just I think the smaller, more minute um the market is managed like on an individual basis, the better it's going to be instead of these like big sweeping generalizations of like, you all need this, we're gonna provide this. Mm. Um, I think it works more efficiently that way. You get that personal face-to-face contact with Farmer Joe down the street. And I just, I feel like it's a better system and I think it's yielded um, better results um, throughout history.
2: I think it depends on what your hope is for your community. Is your hope for the community that generally people's lives in the day-to-day are better and that they have things that they need? Or is it that you are hoping to have a community that can have wealth building? Um, and that is what the standard of it being better is because if you're looking for a community to have people who can have access to medicine, like we've talked a lot about like insulin specifically, or, um, oh man, the allergy shot, which I cannot remember what it is called off
0: the top of my head right now. Uh, antihistamine?
2: No, the, yeah, it's an antihistamine, epinephrine or nah. epinephrine. Um, good job. Um, which last time that I went, I have a... Ironically, I have a prescription for it. And last time I went to buy, it was $500 for two, wow. even with insurance, even with really good insurance. Wow. Um, right? So it was my li- So, I mean, I'm not t- to take it really personally, but not really to take it personally because I'm fine. But to take my life as someone who needs this, if I come in contact with something that could literally kill me, also... Um, that goes into the cost of like ambulance rides, which are ridiculously in the thousands of dollars expensive, even with insurance or emergency Mm -hmm. room visits is making access to that for vulnerable people more important. Or is the people who are wanting to buy and trade like small businesses owners or like um, people like Jeff Bezos or Steve Jobs or um, any of these kinds of giants of industry, right? Is it are we hoping to build their wealth or wealth of these types of people, or are we trying to have a community that is for the best of the day to day, average, and below? not below average but like low income type person what is more valuable and into to the world or to the community to the country whatever you however you want to break it down and if you think that human life is more valuable than wealth building i think that public trading is more important because when you're getting who gets ownership of drugs and who gets ownership of hospitals and who gets ownership of these types of things when you're removing the private sector from it you're streamlining the financial process of of access and and
0: whatnot, it's Whereas, like one less person needing a penny from the total. Yeah,
2: one less person taking out right. Mm-hmm. Even just in even just privately traded hospitals versus insurance, mm-hmm. like taking insurance completely out of the mix would theoretically drive the cost of um, hospitals and medical care down because their insurance companies are taking a
0: cut, but. this is actually the first time in a while I think I'm disagreeing with you on something. But um, one thing that the UN... Slow
1: clap. Just kidding.
0: One thing that the UN uh, study found is that there's two areas of of the economy that there is a little bit more literature about. It's inconclusive (laughs) for the most part, whether or not public or private is better. But in the health sector, there's a difference with uh, private for-profit and private non-profit providers. Private non-profit providers, so think like church-run hospitals, uh, have similar levels of efficiency to public hospitals, but private for-profit hospitals, they have lower levels of efficiency rather than the other two because people over-treat uh, in private for-profit hospitals. Like they, they're they more likely to assign medication and uh, longer treatment and everything else with for-profit hospitals right. than with public hospitals. That's like, I guess
2: that's what I'm getting at too though because it's driving the cost up. But it. it's not even just insurance, it's driving the cost up. So then I've known people, like real people in my life who have chosen not to go to hospitals because of infect like actual like oozing infections or because of a variety of things that really could have killed them because they knew that if they went they wouldn't be able to afford the bill and so a private a for-profit hospital jacking up all of these um these treatments and these costs there was actually an article that was done where a lady went in it was in new york she went in to get a a strep throat test Mm -hmm. and because of the insurance and the public or not the public, the private for profit hospital that she was working at were together. They sent it for a hundred thousand dollar test what and the insurance company wasn't going to pay for it originally a strep throat test A strep throat test because they sent it and got it tested for things that she didn't know that they were testing it for even though technically she signed all the consent forms (gasps) and everything because assuming
0: read the terms and conditions assuming
2: assuming that they weren't going to do it it was as, as necessary if it we need to do this can we do this and if we need to do this can we do this and they decided they did need to do it but not because her test had any negative or came back negative on everything, not because they really needed to, the, the law, it was like a lawsuit, maybe some sort of investigation went into it. She didn't, they didn't need any of the tests that they did. Um, it was just because there was actually that hospital owned the lab that they sent it to. And so the hospital could drive the insurance to pay a hundred thousand dollars. And the insurance was like, it's was a strep test. We're not paying that. So she was liable for it. Oh my and the way gosh. that it all came back is she ended up not having to pay for it, you know, by the grace of God, mm-hmm. right? Um, because she challenged it. But that's the kind of thinking that goes into my mind. Yeah, when I think of, like, private hospitals and sectors. And exactly like you said, over tests, longer stays,
0: mm. more stuff being drawn out. Now I feel like we're on the reverse of bashing private businesses. Well, I don't know. Um, I mean,
1: I-, I I think, like, I I... I think healthcare is one of those examples that I mean I think it's complicated because mm-hmm. there's a lot of regulation that's gone into especially the way American healthcare works and it's a hot mess not entirely of the private sector's making either because it's 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 a it's a just a mess of both somehow put together because yeah. government regulations combined with private enterprises uh, attempting to work their way around government regulations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so all this kind of nonsense but I think in general like even though healthcare is one of those areas that I think it would be important to make sure people are not having to go bankrupt to stay alive, Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the few areas where I think the public... Potentially might do a better job. But I think in general, the private sector on
0: outside of health,
1: outside of health, I think the private sector does a great job. Mm. Um, I think it does a great job of offering people things that they will consume. I think it does a great job providing products that people will buy. I think it does a great job of lifting people out of just being um, I think stuck in a cycle of poverty. So, Mm, I mean,
2: I would disagree with that. Um, I would say that private sectors (laughs) would keep people in cycles of poverty because if you're, for example, Walmart, if you're working at Walmart, you can't even (laughs) be able to afford healthcare and you get stuck in a job that you've been working there long enough, but to be able to leave to something that's going to do better for you is going to cause you a significant pay cut which is like how it happens when you leave and go to other companies like oftentimes because if your your years of service at Walmart doesn't transfer to Myers or Safeway or Fred Meyer or wherever it does transfer to stocks but only from Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> but, but if like, you're leaving, okay, if you're stock leaving is Safeway to be able to go do something else, you take a pay cut, like to be able to to go across to do something else, but maybe yeah. they have better benefits and maybe you have kids. Maybe you can't afford rent on your apartment in an area that you're living in because of these, these, pl- these things that don't have any value for your life. So, they have value for the profit that they're making.
1: So the thing then is, People who work at Walmart at least have an option of moving out. Yeah. If the government's the only one that's hiring anyone, the government's owning everything, owning all the products, all the stores. Then the government's pay is your pay forever, and there's not, there's no way to move up. There's no way to move out unless you literally move out of the country or you cross. And borders. that's, and I mean, that's what happened with you know socialist countries in the past because mm. the government is regulating. The government is controlling how much you get paid. Government's regulating how much you can consume because that's based on how much you get paid. And there's no there's no option. And I think the private sector does a good job by offering options. Like you can choose to work at Walmart, or you can choose not to work at Walmart. You work you can work somewhere else.
2: But I feel like that's like an illusion of choice. That's like in certain circumstances and places. This the there's a. Um, oh, you have the choice to do this or not. Okay, yes, I have the choice to work at a place that is putting me at a disadvantage where I can't do anything or be homeless. It's not really a choice. You have to be able to to do what is available. And if the only things that are available um, are low-paying entry-level private sector jobs that aren't actually trying to help you accomplish things. And there are, some private se- there are some private sector jobs that are, like, better than others. Starbucks does a really good job of... And um, I think
1: that's what I'm getting at is...
2: Of, of doing... of, of that there is
1: choice. Value. Is that there is choice both for the worker and for people who shop at Walmart. Yeah. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. Go ahead.
2: I do think, however, that if things were more, not, I don't think the private sector should be eradicated, but if it was more moderated by the government, you have to pay people a living wage, which we've kind of talked about. You have to be able to keep up with the inflation which of the area. On. <laughs> And if insurance, like the ways that healthcare was run in such a way that people aren't like dying because they can't get medication, which is a legitimate thing that happens in the States, just it's insane. And if there were things that were in place to make sure that people's lives didn't end, because they've had to join something that they didn't really have a ton of choice otherwise about. I think that would be better. And I don't think that that means an eradication of the private sector. I just think that it needs to be more moderated by someone else. And I don't think our government, as it currently stands and looks like in the U.S., is like set up for that, but I do think that would be ideal, which is what you see in other countries that are are more successful on other measurements of life quality around the world. Like when you look at happiness, or when you look at um, quality of life,
1: are you referring to like Scandinavia?
2: And um, Where they,
1: uh, where they've rooted out Down syndrome?
2: Also, Rwanda, which has the most
1: equal. Oh yeah, Rwanda's doing feminist pretty, uh,
2: equal country in the world. Well. Right, nice Rwanda. And, yeah, and they are having more government control in the affairs of people. They're digging themselves
0: up out of the poverty, and they're they're going right. Towards a good place. You both bring very interesting points. I feel like, or I think, <laughs> I've been I've been reading a lot about the brain lately, and um, the way that we start sentences about saying "I feel" or "I think" oftentimes points to where we're making our decisions from. Is it from our in internal? instinct? Is it from our amygdala where it's just kind of run by the beast side of our brain or the the lower level processing part of our brain that's more emotional? Or are we trying to think more with our cerebral cortex? So I'm going to try to say I think more often. I think that we need both the private and the public sector for the same reasons that we can't have a perfect efficiency machine because it's too brittle. I think that if we only had private sector receiving trade or receiving deals or being able to run an economy, then we may lose out on the regulation that helps keep private from running out of control. But if we only had the public sector, I think we would lose out on choice. I think we would lose out on those um, the things that drive an economy to improve its... human resources divisions, that there's more uh, rights for people in a workplace, that there's more protection for people, the labor laws have improved over time. There's more of that, I think, because of the choice that we receive whenever we can say, I will walk away from this business along with 10,000 of my friends unless this thing has improved. And in that sense, private sector still has some semblance of the public sector inside of it because it's can kind of be driven by democracy in a slight way baby step kind of way in the way that it does business. I guess we're coming up inconclusive.
1: And once again, you've reached inconclusive end of the inconclusive podcast.
0: Sharing is caring. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family.
2: Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the inconclusive podcast. Talk to, to you, you next time.
3: time.